Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. We are in the middle of a four-part series called Jonah, Lessons from a Man Who Ran. And as you know by now, the, the man who ran was a guy in the Bible who was a prophet of God in the Old Testament, a guy named Jonah. And even though we've heard all of these incredible stories and we have all these pictures of Jonah in our minds or in our children's storybook Bibles, jo- Jonah was a guy a lot like us because he had, on the one hand, a desire for God in his heart and in his life, but he ran in the opposite direction. And as we've said the past couple of weeks, most of us have both of those things going on in our hearts at different times. A deep desire for God to know this creator of the universe, but a sometimes intense desire to run the other way. And the main idea from Jonah of, of what it means to follow God, for those of us who are, who are Christ followers, what it means to follow Christ is this, that God has an unstoppable vision for you to work through you to do something that's bigger than you. And so that means that the one singular overarching goal of the Christian life is this, to join with him in his vision for the world. Because if God has an unstoppable vision for you and for me, and he wants to work through you and me to do something great in this world that's, that's bigger than you and bigger than me, there can be nothing more important in life than finding out what God's vision is and joining him in his work. But what often happens is that we fail to see it. We don't realize God's plan for us. We can't be a part of it because something blocks our way. Something obstructs a clear view of it. When I was a kid, I was kind of into science and my parents liked that kind of stuff. And so I remember sitting out on our lawn at certain times of the year at night and we would watch meteor showers and all kinds of things like that. It's kind of nerdy, I guess, but I liked that stuff and still do. And I was also into photography when I was in sixth and seventh grade. So I had a pretty cool, nice little camera. And one night when it was really late, instead of going to bed, we packed up the car and we headed over to Jordan Lake and we had lawn chairs and I had my camera gear and we we drove up and there were hundreds of people gathering at this one spot at like 1 a.m. It wasn't like this party we were going to or anything like that. We were there to watch a lunar eclipse. Uh, A lunar eclipse happens when the earth passes directly between the sun and the moon. Typically, as you know, the sun casts its light on the moon and that's why we see the moon. It's the reflection of the sun's light. But during a lunar eclipse, the earth gets in the way. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it is pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. We could see this shadow gradually cover up the moon little by little. And, And I was taking pictures and eventually the moon changed colors and it looked really, really cool. And then there was this point where you really couldn't see it at all. During the lunar eclipse, the the earth, the planet that we are on gets in the way of the light. There's a principle here that I wanna draw your attention to. What happens is that we have the best intentions when it comes to following God and doing what he wants, but something gets in the way. Something eclipses out his light in our lives. And that something, quite frankly, is us. 
It's exactly what happened to Jonah. Remember what happened? God came to Jonah and he said to Jonah, Jonah, look, I have a vision for you. I have a plan for you. I want to work through you. I have something so powerful and amazing that I want to do and I'm choosing you to do it through. I have something that is bigger than you that I want to do and it is going to impact the world. And I know you think I'm crazy, Jonah. I know this doesn't make sense. I know you're just one guy, but I wanna do this through you. But that was God's perspective. That wasn't Jonah's perspective. Jonah could not see that clearly. He couldn't understand what God was talking about. He wasn't able to see God's bigger picture, God's vision for his life because he was in the way. All he saw were the people of Nineveh and they were a different race, a different nationality, and all he knew about them was that they were awful people who treated other people horribly, at least that's what he thought. Now we do the same thing. We get in our way. The biggest obstacle between where you are now and finding and pursuing God's will for your life is you. And we'll get to the passage in Jonah in a minute, but. I want to take a few minutes and set us up for it and walk you through why you and I are the biggest obstacles that we have to face in pursuing God. I think there's two reasons that we get in our own way when it comes to following God. If you're struggling with seeing God's path clearly in front of you, my bet is that you're dealing with one of these two things. The first one is this, too high a view of yourself. You, you may have too high a view of yourself. Here's what I mean. These people that have too high a view of themselves, they're overconfident. There's a tendency towards self-reliance. In other words, the, the only person I can truly trust to get anything done is me. If my life's gonna be successful at all, it's all up to me. Society has, has built me up to believe that independence is everything, so I don't need to rely on anyone for anything. Not my family, not my friends, and certainly not God. I call the shots in my life. And so the result is a very performance-based mentality. It's all about me. There's a fear that goes along with this overinflated self-image. There's a fear there. And that fear is this, I might lose control. If I give in, if I take the focus off of what I need to, if I take my eyes off of myself and turn it towards a different direction, then that automatically means that I begin to lose control of things. I can't plan like I want to. You're, you're telling me that my life's direction is going to be dictated by, by someone else? and I, I'm not even sure that I'm comfortable with that. In fact, I know I'm not comfortable with that because if I'm not directing my own life, who is going to do it? All of us have been raised to think, I need to be in control. I need to be independent. I can't rely on anyone but me. I have to be strong. And if that's you, your fear is losing control. It's losing control. The result is that self becomes more important than anything else. Or you may tend to lean more toward this second reason. This is reason number two that we get in our own way when it comes to, to walking closely with, with God. And it's this, too low a view of yourself. Now, we don't normally think this is a problem, but when you are underconfident, you have an underinflated view of who you are. You feel totally inadequate and you wonder why in the world God would want to do anything with you? Why would he want to use you to do anything at all? We wonder this when we interact with other people around us too. Like people that, that have a low view of themselves lack confidence 
around everybody else. They're constantly apologizing for themselves, constantly doing what the other person wants to do all the time. The, the thought process, is, even if it's not conscious, is I don't have anything to offer. I don't have any gifts. I wonder how other people see me. If this is you, you are sometimes paralyzed in your insecurities. So you settle into a life of not really seeing the possibilities that God may have because you never really believe that there's something exciting and visionary and something you could get passionate about right around the corner. If this sounds like uh, you know, low self-esteem, a lot of like psychobabble. It's not. What we are talking about is not the, this is not the latest psychological trend. It is a right view of yourself. Because if you and I are, are men and women created by God, then that is a significant and important and meaningful thing. And, and here's what's driving you if you find yourself in this boat. Y your fear is this, I'm not adequate. I'm not desirable. I'm not worth it. I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see. I'm not adequate. Here's the amazing thing. And this is a big aha moment for me. The result of this is the same as the result of too high a view of yourself. It's that self becomes more important than anything else. Because if you have too low a view of yourself, it's still all about you, isn't it? Because you can't help but dwell on all of your shortcomings and all of your faults and, and why you aren't worth anything to anybody, especially to God. And you can get so wrapped up here that you never allow yourself to look beyond yourself. Both of those reasons for why we can't see clearly God's plan for us are related to the, to the fact that the self, our, ourselves, we've become more important than anything else. What you and I have to be able to do is to find what we are going to call, for lack of a better word, uh, the zone. I don't know if you've ever seen an athlete find the zone. It's truly an amazing thing when it happens. The NBA playoffs finished up this week, and it reminded me of when Michael Jordan used to find the zone. There, there, there was a game in the NBA playoffs where he kept making three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer, and he turned to the TV announcers at some point and was like, I have no idea what's happening. Do you remember that? It can happen in, in any sport. It can happen in golf. These guys will tell you that the zone is really hard to find, that it comes and goes, and they can't explain it, and they don't even want to explain it when it happens. It just happens. And, and when it does, they try to ride it for as long as they, they can. Everyone who has ever been in the zone would describe it as a period of time where they entirely forgot about themselves. There was no self-consciousness. They were, they were just focused on what they were doing, not even thinking about the results. I, I think what we're talking about is like finding the zone. It's like when, when life is not any more of a response to my own desires and my own insecurities. It's a response to God's movement in the world. John the Baptist in the New Testament, he got it when he saw Jesus and he pointed to Jesus and he said, he must become greater and I must become less. He was in the zone. I think Jonah, for a brief moment that we're going to see today, found the zone of pursuing God's purposes. And here's what happened in Jonah chapter 3. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. And now Nineveh was a, was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began to go, going on a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 
The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. All of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. He took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation that he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everything call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened to be a part of God's plan. Jonah had to get out of his own way. And when he was able to do that, when he was able to set his concerns about himself aside, here's what happened. The people in Nineveh took him seriously. They didn't kill him like he thought they might. They didn't even torture him. They listened to him. God was with Jonah. The Ninevites believed God, these guys were known all around the land for torturing their enemies, for allowing one of their enemies to walk in and tell them about God. Oh my goodness. But they listened and they believed. And the Bible says that they repented of their ways. The entire city, from the king down to the commoners, and, and, and God had compassion on them and he forgave them. It was like God was saying, Jonah, don't you see, I have good that I want to do and I wanted all along to do it through you. Don't you see the results of putting yourself aside and trusting me? This is a principle that we have to learn, that we have to grasp a hold of with both hands to be a part of God's plan. We have to get out of our own way. There are two ways we get in our way. We, we have, like I said, too high a view of ourselves. We're too self-confident. We strive for independence and, and we don't want to trust God. Or we have a low self-image and, and we don't believe that God wants or could do anything positive through us. But either way, the result of both of those things is that we become self-centered, self-focused, self-obsessed. But the goal like Jonah found in this chapter, is to be able to set that aside and become God-centered, God-focused, God-obsessed people. So I want to give us some practical steps to work on. And believe me, this is a process. I don't know anybody who has this completely figured out yet, but here are some things that we can begin to do to get out of our own way. First is just tell God you've been self-obsessed. It's okay to own it and simply tell them, tell them. The Bible calls it confession, and confession ought to be a regular habit for each of us. It's a way to keep us in the zone, admitting that we're not capable on our own. By opening up the door, like that opens up a door for God to do great things through us. The second thing is this, say yes to God's mission for you. Each of us has a mission right now. You have a mission. It's probably something that's right in front of you. There's something, likely multiple things, God is asking you to partner with him in. Maybe it is a mission field somewhere else like Nineveh, or maybe it's to love the neighbors he's put you beside in your neighborhood. Maybe even the ones who look and act and sound different from you. 
And I will guarantee you this, if you are cloudy about his mission for you, you'll know you're on the right track when it involves loving other people more than yourself, putting them first, being okay with the consequences of that. God has this unstoppable vision for you, to work through you, to do something that is bigger than you. And when we confess our self-obsession to God and we let him take it from us, when we say yes to God's mission for us, that is the beginning of you and me being truly involved in his mission to bring his love and his grace and his compassion to the world around us, a world that desperately needs all of that. I'm gonna pray for God to give us strength to do just those things. Let's pray together. Father, would you help us to have a correct view of who we are? Because when we do, when we put ourselves in a place of knowing that we are not you, God, we are not in control, and yet you have given us your image we are image bearers and there is something significant and powerful about that god when we begin to see ourselves in a correct way then we can get ourselves out of the way and see you for who you really are and see what you would have us do would you give us a confidence that's not inspired by ourselves or our own egos or pride but a god-inspired confidence to step forward into what you're calling us to. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.